Welcome back to the Teacher Renewed Podcast, a podcast about renewing hope and happiness for educators with topics ranging from health and well-being to best practices in and outside the classroom, being a parent and an educator, justice, and so much more. I was one of the many teachers who left the classroom due to burnout. I thought I would be a teacher for life and found myself walking away from a career I loved. I want to get in front of this and talk candidly about ways in which we as a community can support the health, well-being, and development of educators, especially teachers who are feeling the burn and are questioning if they made the right career choice. Trust me, you did. Let's get started. All right. Well, welcome to the Teacher Renewed Podcast. I am so excited for this episode. The guest we have on today is a current teacher, Jessie Rodriguez. She is going to share so much about one of my fundamental passions, which is justice within the education system and how we bring that to our classrooms and how we can inspire our students to be critical thinkers, especially in the forefront of what this national narrative is around justice and the social oppressions that students are experiencing. So really excited to have someone who is in the heart of this work, doing this work to talk to us today. So welcome, Jesse. So glad to have you. Hello, thank you for having me. Yes, um, so let's just get started a little bit. I do want to just share with people, you know, as I mentioned, one of my passions is the social justice part of education. And I am not going to lie, I was just scrolling, looking on Instagram, looking for teachers who really are focused and passionate about this subject. And I came across you. And as I dug into your content, I'm like, this person has to be on my podcast. (laughs) And you so graciously accepted. And so I'm so excited for the listeners to hear your journey from how you came to education to how you've brought social justice into your classroom, what you've learned, because I know that it's not an easy topic. So let's start with what brought you to education? How did you come to be here? Yeah, so my parents are both educators. My mom has always taught lower elementary. My dad has done middle school and high school um, special education. And so from a very young age, I was always in the classroom on my free time. Um, And so just seeing those connections and relationships that both of my parents had, With students, I really learned that teachers can have a huge impact on your life. Um, My dad taught in a Title I low-income school for pretty much his whole career. And um, I was lucky enough to be brought up in a more well-off city and education system. And so from a really young age, I was able to see that there was a lack of equity within education as a spectrum, even though this school district is just you know, 20, 30 minutes away, I had so much more than what I was seeing um, with other students. So that was a lot of the reason why I decided to go into education. I felt so comfortable in the classroom. Um, And just seeing my dad, the way he was with his students, his older students, I could tell he was really making an impact on their lives. And it meant a lot to me. And so I wanted to do the same thing that both of my parents were doing. And they both were just so passionate about what they were doing. And I wanted to be passionate about something like that as well. Um, So then I grew up in LA, California, um, went to school in Northern Arizona University. When I graduated from there, I started teaching in downtown Phoenix at a Title I school, majority of Hispanic students, Native Americans, um, with a low population of 
African-American. Um, so when I was working there, I learned a lot about trauma that students go through, secondhand trauma that is put on teachers. And it just really opened my eyes to see that there was a lot of stuff that needs to be done in education to help make these students be successful. Um, that is kind of also when I started focusing a lot on my own mental health, you know, graduating from college, moving to a new city, starting new things in your life was kind of when my mental health took a plunge. And so I started doing things such as mindfulness, um, just taking better care, just taking better care of myself. And I started bringing what I learned into my classroom, mm -hmm. um, which really showed a difference in my students' behavior and the way they viewed school. After that, I moved to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota in the summer of 2020. And I ended up teaching in a school that was actually in the community of where George Floyd was murdered. Mm -hmm. um, this had a huge impact on not only my school, but my students, especially. This school was majority black students um, and a couple Hispanics, but mainly black. And so that was a huge eye opener for me seeing what these students were going through. My students were so confused. They were sad. Um, you know, at times they had protests um, going on in front of their houses. I had a student whose house was being burned um, down because they lived on top of a store. Um, and so just seeing how they were affected by that really got me into the whole social justice part of education, knowing that I need to talk about this because they're able to see everything, whether it's on the news, outside, or just social media, they're are having all of these huge events happening in front of them with no one or nowhere to talk about it and ask questions. And so I decided I was going to be that person. And luckily enough, I had a very supportive school that time in Minneapolis that allowed me to do this work in my classroom. Um, that was last year. This year I am teaching fifth grade um, north of Minneapolis, where my entire dynamic of students have switched. I've gone from low income to high income students, a very affluent school, mainly um, Caucasian students with a couple of students of color. So this has been a very different transition for me. I'm learning a lot. Um, and I have, am trying to continue to do the work that I did last year in my classroom, but there has had to be some obstacles that I am learning and figuring out, just making sure that I am able to provide my students the education I believe they deserve, but then also respecting and finding that line of social justice in the classroom when it comes to admin and parents. Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of been my journey. Um, I am currently in a class right now that was put on by my district. It's called cultural proficiency. Um, mm -hmm. And so we are actually learning how to bring that into our classrooms. And so that has been really great. But yep, that's about where I am right now. That is an incredible journey. And when I think about it, what year in teaching are you? I'm a um, fourth year. You've done all of this in four years. Yeah, that says a lot about who you are and the type of person you are. Um, I, I wish that I had had the mental it, wherewithal to be doing this work. Um, when, when I was in my fourth year of teaching, 
it was a really good year, but we were very much focused on reading, writing, and math. Um, and so knowing that this is possible for a, a rather newer teacher, I mean, you you were doing this in your third year, it sounds like more, uh, more thoughtfully and or meaningfully and intentionally in the midst of coming to a brand new school, a brand new city. And so I just, kudos to you. And <laughs> Thank you. for any non-veteran teacher out there, obviously this is possible. So we can definitely dig in. Um, and wow, like what, I just can't even imagine as, as an educator experiencing the pandemic and then what happened with George Floyd, I just can't not imagine or cannot imagine what that would have been like to be a new person in the city um, experiencing that. So can you talk a little bit more about like, okay, when it happened, you're starting at a new school and yeah, talk us through like what ignited that and then what tools did you use to say, I can do this and I can do it meaningfully? Yeah, so like I said, I had a really wonderful admin um, and we actually had our first staff meeting um, we were all on Zoom and she kind of just said, okay, I want us to all have an open conversation. Um, let's talk about Black Lives Matters. Mm -hmm. And as a staff, no one said anything. No one unmuted. No one, everyone just kind of stared at each other. And again, um, my, uh, all the educators were mainly white as well. Mm -hmm. I was like one of the two educators that are educators of color. Um, I am Hispanic and Native American. And so, you know, it's always kind of weird when you're surrounded with a bunch of teachers who are Caucasian while you're not, and you're starting to talk I can't about say race. that I've experienced that because I'm on the other side, but I always, I hate the, the marginalization of that. And that's another conversation that we can have another day <laughs> about the fact that we need to have more diverse teaching force. But anyway. Yeah. I really appreciate you going through this and keep going. I'm sorry I interrupted, but no, you acknowledge good. my whiteness and the fact that I am the majority of I'm a white female educator. Like I am I'm sitting in this majority that definitely needs to change our own narrative and our own thinking in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. So we were all just kind of sitting there and no one said anything. And my principal went back on Zoom and was like, you guys, we had this huge tragedy happen in our city how are we gonna be able to talk about this with our students if we can't even talk about this as a staff? And it I don't know what happened, but just in that moment, I had like a light bulb and I was like, she's so right. Like, this is what I meant to do. Like this, like I'm here for a reason across the country from where I grew up in this moment. So like, yeah, let's do this. Let's talk about it. So I actually unmuted and I was just like, hi, like I'm new, like introducing myself. And pretty much just said, I'm not black, I am not white. And I said, and I'm gonna be honest, this is a really tough conversation for me, but I don't know where to start. Mm. And um, my principal was just like, you know, like, thank you for talking, but just saying that, like started bringing up the conversation. And it was really great to like hear from everyone else as well, that they were just as nervous as I was to bring in these topics into our classroom. Um, because it is scary. You don't want to say anything, especially when you're teaching black children and you're not black yourself and you're talking about race and racism. It's scary. You don't want to say the wrong thing. And you also don't want to make class just be about that. Think that that's the most important or unique thing about them. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like finding that balance of supporting them and being there for them and allowing them to talk about their feelings and their emotions, but then also letting them know that that's not all they are. And so we just like came up, um, we as a staff are just like, okay, the first thing we need to do on the first day of school is we need to address the issues and let's just give them a space to ask questions. And so that's kind of where my journey began. I was very like open with them, telling them like, let's talk about this. And I was like, what do we know? What do we do? What do we not know? And it started out very, very, very small. You know, we'd have like maybe a five minute conversation, 10 minute, but after the trust was built with those relationships with me and them and them with each other, we then were able to um, really talk about how these things are making us feel or them feel as nine and 10 year olds. And then we came up with solutions on like what the world could do. But not only that, I think the most important thing that when having these conversations is providing them the tools to help them process those emotions. And so from day one, a big thing I do is mindfulness. Um, Just starting out with like a one minute meditation Um, focusing on an emotion, focusing on a feeling, and then um, giving that feeling a name, and then finding a strategy for that feeling to help you cope with it. Mm -hmm. So after we would have these intense conversations about George Floyd, Derek Chauvin, the trial, the verdict, all of those things, I would make them do a mindfulness, do some meditation, and then we would always do like an exercise. Um, There was one day where I had a girl that was just so angry and she was like, Miss Rodriguez, like, and she's I like just, a nine or 10 year old. She's nine. Yeah. Oh my and she's like, Miss Rodriguez, I don't know what to do. I am so mad. And she was like, I just want to punch someone. And I was like, okay, well, what can we do about it? Like, what's a healthy way for us to get that feeling of punching someone, but not actually punch someone. So as a class, we like scribbled on a bunch of pieces of paper and then we like ripped it up and we like threw it in the trash can and you know, just like, I know it seems so silly, but I think we forget that these kids can have these huge emotions and the way that these emotions come out are in their behaviors. And so if we are expecting them to talk about these huge issues, we need to give them a way to let out those emotions. Um, You had mentioned that, you know, mindfulness in yourself is something that you've really been thoughtful of and then implemented in your classroom. How did you get to that place of being comfortable implementing it into your classroom? Because I know a lot of people are not, um, you know, and it's just like, I'm going to put on a meditation, but there's, I feel like there is a journey to invest our students in that. And so can you talk a little about that? And then we can go into, because it sounds like the trust and the mindfulness was where, in order to process these very heavy issues was like at the crux of like how you could process this. So yeah, can you talk a little about the introduction of mindfulness in your classroom and just like, yeah, how do you do it? (laughs) Yeah, so um, I would say, so the first thing that got me into mindfulness is when I started teaching, I couldn't sleep. Like Mm -hmm. sleep was just not an option for my body. And I started finding these meditations on YouTube. And I came across this one YouTube that was like a 21 day challenge for students and parents. Mm. And I started doing it myself. Um, And I was like, wow, this is actually working. Like I'm, I'm feeling better about it. And I am, 
that Go Noodle website also started putting some meditations on their website. And so at first we would just throw those on and I'd kind of like not know what they mm. meant or what they were mm. supposed to do. But then after I was comfortable with meditating and doing these strategies alone and at home, I felt comfortable enough to share that experience with my students. I would say the one thing about me as an educator is, is that my students really know the real me. Mm -hmm. I don't really hold back. I mean, everything I tell them is in an age appropriate way, but I told them, I said, hey, you guys, I haven't been sleeping well, but I've been doing these meditations and they've really helped me. Would you guys like to try them with me? And then of course I had some kids like, I don't sleep either. And I was like, all right, well, let's do this together. And maybe we can get back on track. And, um, we would talk about it. We do the, the meditations, like one to three minutes, then we'd open our eyes and I'd be like, who felt silly? And they'd all raise their hands and I'd be like, me too. But like, why do you think I'm doing this? Like, let's really think about it. Had us like focus on our chest and like what we were feeling, like who felt this? And they would like raise their hands and I'd be like, well, what do you think that's trying to tell us? Like, mm -hmm. is that our body giving us a warning or like what's going on? And just like having those conversations, but then showing them what it's meant for yeah. really started making them interested in it. Um, I can tell you now that I have a lot of students where I can, I can go put on a five minute meditation video. They, I can open my eyes and I'll see all of them doing it. Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about it. Someone will be like, my heart was beating really fast. And someone will be like, oh, what's your body trying to tell you? Do you have something going on this afternoon that you might be stuck on? And I'm like, you guys are so awesome. Like the fact that you can like identify what's happening. Um, but it took a lot, a lot, a lot of practice. Um, they did not want to do it at first. They didn't get it. It was silly. But now they they crave it. We have to do it every day in our afternoon or it feels like something's off. Um, but so yeah, stuck I, with it, even though, I mean, cause I think that's like the, the tried and true thing with education is like, okay, if students are pushing back so heavily, but you knew deep down, this was going to yeah. be what's right for them. So we can get through this other very deep stuff. And then now they need it and they yeah. know they need it. Yeah. I just didn't feel right about having these conversations, igniting these emotions, and then not giving them a way to deal with it that didn't seem right to me sounds so. it's so it's like it makes so much sense and so now we're at a place where we can have these conversations the principal has opened the door for you to have these conversations and you know I know that part of your own journey is like now starting to train teachers on how to do this well in your their classrooms and so what yeah, like what have you learned and what have you been able to do so that it is even more intentional? Yeah, so at my old school, we actually, for um, professional development, we were using the resources, social justice um, units. Um, I know it used to be teaching with tolerance. I don't remember their new name that created it, but they're just called social justice units. Mm -hmm. And pretty much they start off with identity. And so you learn about yourself and then you go to diversity and you learn about others. And then you go to action and you learn how to go about change. And then, oh, I forget the last one, um, advocate, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. And you actually put what you've learned to 
um, like the test and you think of something you can do to make change. Mm -hmm. um, and so we actually had to plan these entire year long units for social justice units for the following year. And so while I was doing that, I was also kind of playing around in my classroom, some of these ideas that I was having. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, for example, um, identity, we would learn about ourselves, do family tree, learn about our history, our culture. And then we would go up to a classmate and we would do a double bubble map and compare and contrast each other wow. and pretty much just learn about each other, just giving all of those opportunities for each student to feel special and have that time to share who they are and what makes them who they are. I also think that's really important, knowing who you are um, really helps develop those values that you know um, these students are living their days in their lives by. Um, but then also when it comes to the mindfulness, I did do that 21 day challenge with my students and they love it. So we do it again and again and again. And that is by Fable Fly. Um, it's just called the 21 day challenge Boot Camp. So that is a resource that I also really like. When the George Floyd trial was on, we every single day would talk about updates. Like I said, these kids were in the same community as George Floyd. So we had the National Guard on every corner. We had tanks outside of our houses. We had a curfew of 6 p.m. for like the entire trial. And so you would step outside and it was just, it was creepy, it was spooky. And so there was no way of getting around not talking about the trial. And so what I did to prepare them was I was reading them this book called, um, You Did the Crime, Now You Be the Judge. And it is a book about a judge who has um, juvenile cases and it kind of goes through the whole process of a juvenile going through the system um, mm -hmm. within their court dates, their decisions, their the, like input they have to consider when giving them their sentencings. And so that gave a lot of pre-teaching of George, uh, of Derek Chauvin's trial. Yeah. So then when it was on, we were able to talk about like what we knew, what we didn't know and what we wanted to know. And so every single day we would just kind of do a quick little, is there anything new we know? Is there anything new we don't know? Is there anything new you want me to find for you guys? And so they knew everything that was happening throughout the entire trial. So that that way, when the verdict came out, I knew it wasn't going to be too much of a, not a surprise, but um, the way it made them feel, you know, because when the verdict came out in Minneapolis, since, you know, he was guilty, mm -hmm. it was a party, like people were dancing on the streets, like mm -hmm. in George Floyd Square, people were over there like cooking and um, making music. And they said they were like throwing money everywhere, like had a huge party and my <laughs> students were able to go there. Aww. And I had a couple that were actually there, like celebrating with their neighbors and they knew what was happening. They felt so connected to it because we had talked about it and they cared about it and they felt like they had a say in it, which they should because it's their community. Mm -hmm. um, so that helped me with the pre-teaching and then, yeah, so that was kind of my biggest resources that I used that year. I still use the social justice unit standards. I think it's um, learning for justice, right? Learning yes, justice. that's what it is. That's what it is. Learning for justice. They changed yeah. the name. Um, so but yeah, really quickly, um, the I'm just curious to know 
you know, I feel, so you're a fifth grade teacher. Um, yeah. Are you departmentalized? Um, yes, sort of. So what do you teach technically? I teach everything are, um, except for science. Okay. So yes. here's the thing then that I feel like I get time and time again as a school administrator, as a teacher coaches, I don't have time for this. And, you know, as a school administrator, I'm like, yes, you do. If you know, it's important, you know, you want me to do mental health. Now you want me to do social justice and you want me to teach reading and you want me to teach math and you want me to teach, you know, and so I'm in mean, like, it sounds like you have the luxury of being a social studies teacher, but like, how did you overcome that barrier? Perhaps it was a barrier. Maybe it wasn't for you, but like, what was it that you were just like, no, this is going to be a priority and we're going to do these things. Like, how did you process that? Um, so last year with being at the Title I school, my students, their achievement gap is beyond anything I have ever seen. I had, I taught fourth grade last year. Okay. So I had fourth graders, like three of them didn't speak English. Um, they're all at like kindergarten, second grade reading and math levels. And so a lot of part, a lot of our day we would have those gaps because I had so many students who were getting services that I had those time. I had that time to okay. be able to use it as I needed to. Also, since we were super low income, I don't know if this is like a reflection of that, but we had really, really long days. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of time that um, we were able to fit stuff like that in. And plus with these kids, it was hard for them to learn for those super long portions of the day. And so I was able to like cut up our core learning and then fit it in in other ways. Got I it. hope that made sense. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like there were some environmental aspects though that allowed you yes. to prioritize this, which is yeah. cool. And I would say as schools and or as teachers, there's probably ways to advocate for that. And so um, let's shift a little bit. Now you're at a new school, you know, um, you, you're teaching a very different community of students and you know how important this is. And I think one of the things I read was you want your students, you, you, I'll actually read it. Like you wanna provide your students the tools to be critical thinkers, compassionate, who look at things from different perspectives. And so like, that's your vision as a teacher. Mm -hmm. So you know, wherever you go, whatever school you're gonna be teaching in, that's what you wanna bring. So you're bringing this and now here we are. So can you talk through, this process at a very different or within a very different context. Yes. And I actually feel like this part of my story is more relatable to educators because I know that there's not a lot of educators whose admin and principals and parents support them bringing mm -hmm. social justice into the classroom. Um, and so that is something that I've had to deal with this year, trying to figure out how to appropriately bring this into my classroom with the support of my admin and my parents. Um, so pretty much on the first day of, or when I got hired, I made it clear that, you know, we are, I'm coming from Minneapolis. I live in Minneapolis and that social justice is something that I'm very passionate about. So even though I hadn't had that conversation yet saying, am I allowed to teach this? I knew that from my interview that I was so outspoken about it that mm -hmm. I was going to be able to at least on some level. Um, 
And then before the first day of school, I pulled my principal aside and I just said, hey, how are you guys with me wearing my Black Lives Matter shirt? I have a LGBTQ plus ally pin. Can I wear that on my keychain? Like, I just want to make sure I'm doing things the way they should be. They should be. And he was like, yeah, I don't care. Like you got to represent all students. And I was like, oh, great. Sounds wonderful. So what I first did to kind of fill out my parents and to fill out, um, you know, like the vibe of the classroom, I have a pride book that talks about how Harvey Milk uh, came up with the flag. I showcased that on my bookshelf, um, Mm -hmm. along with my other diverse books. Um, I have one about like the detention centers um, on the Mexican border um, and things like that. So, and then I also put up a lot of posters that's like just, um, show equality. And, um, I also have another poster that is supporting trans lives. And so I let my students ask me about that before I brought anything up. And of course, first day of school, someone goes, Miss Rodriguez, will you read the pride book? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous, but yep. All right. I'm doing this. And I read it and they loved it and they were super uncomfortable, but also comfortable at the same time. Mm. But I feel like that was kind of the first step of realizing that even though this is a complete different demographic of students, that they still crave those conversations about things that are controversial, I would call them. Um, So then after that, that got me to be able to talk personally about my experience within uh, marginalized groups. I have a brother who is part of the LGBTQ community. And so he um, allows me to use him as an example a lot of times. And so I talked about him and just like his experience of growing up in a very conservative city and how that made him feel and um, just started talking about it. And in that moment, like it's so crazy once students realize that you support them, that they'll just come up to you and like, tell you like, hey, I think I might be blah, blah, blah. I might be this or thank you. Like I've never had a teacher who said this before. Or, I feel so supported by this. Um, so then after that, I knew, okay, well, maybe we can start talking a little bit about George Floyd. So then we started reading the book One Crazy Summer, which is about three black girls that fly across the country to Oakland, California to stay with their mom in the 60s, who is a part of the the community of the Black Panthers. And so then I was able to connect that book to Black Lives Matters. And that was kind of really when I was able to start talking about these conversations because the very first thing someone did is I had a little boy raise his hand and he was like, why would you support Black Lives Matters if all they do is riot and loot? And I was like, awesome, let's have the conversation, let's Mm -hmm. do it. And we started talking about how that related to the book and the way that big ma the grandma wanted or she didn't like the black panthers because she thought they were violent because that was only what the news shared Mm -hmm. and so we related that back i said like how many of you guys have seen black lives matters being violent on the tv and they Mm -hmm. were like all raised their hand and i was like okay well do you think that's all they do you know and so we were able to take what we were learning and what we were reading and connect it to something that was happening right now and that was so cool because I really feel like they, it was their first like aha moment. Like, well, oh. and it makes me really excited because again, going back to your vision of critical thought, compassion, and being able to think through the lens of different perspectives, you did all of that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Um, it makes me happy. 
talking about it. Good. But that's just like one of my biggest things is just always making sure that they are thinking about the other side. And one thing I always make sure to tell them before any type of conversation is I might tell you what I think, but I don't want you to think what I think. I want you, I want to give you the tools and I want to give you the information and I want to give you the opinions and the ideas to generate your opinion. And every time I say that, you can almost see them like, like their eyes light up, like, oh, you care what I think? Yeah, I do. And, you know, I tell them all the time, challenge me. You know, there might be something that I don't know. I'm human. I'm your teacher, but I'm human. And, you know, we can learn this together and we can talk about it and we can discuss what's going on and options and feelings. And, you know, they just, I think they feel very respected. And I think that really helps them um, be inspired to keep learning and to continue to look at things differently because they're really feeling like what they're thinking is valid because it is. Yeah. Well, and I think then to that point, you know, you have this group of, of probably 10 and 11 year olds now who you are really liberating to think for themselves, but who are still being molded into however and parented and, you know, raised. And so how has this impacted or how have parents and or other teachers at your school responded? Yeah, so I have actually had a parent who is constantly complaining about me, um, which has been tough, but, um, you know, you just got to keep doing what you know is right. The first thing she complained about me was the pride book. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing, she didn't like the book One Crazy Summer. Um, She didn't like us relating it back to Black Lives Matters. And so she actually pulled her student out of my class for those reasons, um, which was very heartbreaking. It really, really hurt to hear that. But I'm also to the point now where I understand I haven't done anything um, wrong and that that's just a personal opinion that I have nothing to do with. Um, But again, when I was bringing in the social justice units into my classroom, I was calling them social justice units. And another parent, did not like the sound of that. And so again, I got another phone call about how I couldn't be teaching social justice in my classroom. And this was after a conversation I had had with admin about teaching this and they had given me the support to teach it. And so I am starting to see that there's a a big disconnect between admin trying to um, do what's right for both teachers and parents. And this is just an assumption, but I truly believe that they're still figuring it out as well because I, my principal worked with me to ensure that I was able to continue to teach what I wanted to teach in the way that the parents would be happy mm-hmm. and um, accept it and that it would be meaningful and connect back to our district's curriculum. Um, But I feel like that's something a lot of teachers are going through or a lot of things that teachers are afraid of um, while this kind of, I call it the movement, while the movement is happening. um, And I'm learning that 
being in this new school where I have more parent involvement, that they parents have a lot of say of what happens in the classroom. Um, and that has been difficult to navigate, especially as a newer teacher um, and hearing all the time, I'm sure every new teacher can relate to this about hearing constantly that we're not tenured yet and that we can't do things or step outside the bubble or think outside the box until we are, um, which has also been very discouraging. Mm -hmm. And so kind of an issue of what I'm having at this moment is balancing that, you know, of staying or doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but also fitting in what I believe should be taught in the classroom and what I believe the students have a right to learn. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm currently still on that journey, but what I have learned is that baby steps are the best steps. Um, and another thing that you know my principal and I had a conversation about was just being transparent with the parents, mm -hmm. um, letting them know everything we're doing, why we're doing it, what I want our outcomes to be, and allowing them the time to ask me questions and give me feedback and taking it and like really, really thinking about it and applying that into what I am teaching. And so that's what I've been doing. And the feedback I've gotten back from parents is awesome. Um, right now we are learning about our identities um, so that we can start celebrating each other's identities um, and learning about why people are the way they are. And the parents have really loved it. They've thought it, it's really great. The kids come home and they're super excited to talk to their parents to like figure out more. And I've had parents be like, my kid usually doesn't want to come talk to me at home, but now that they have this project, mm -hmm. they are like forced to have these conversations and it's awesome. And I'm like, great, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, uh, it's been a little difficult, but when this um, parent did complain about my social justice project, um, I got told and then it ended up being, of course, the next thing we were doing in the day. And so I kind of had to like scratch mm -hmm. it. I like erased it off the board and Aww. they were like, Miss Rodriguez, why aren't we doing social justice? And I was like, um, we'll talk about it later. Like I had no idea what to tell them. And then later that day, I was like, all right, you guys, like we're not gonna be able to do this anymore. And my students were like, are you kidding me? Like, this was my favorite thing. This is what I was most excited about. Can we write the, the school board a letter? Can we hold a protest? Can we, like, and they just started saying all of these crazy things like, well, don't we have a right to learn about what we want to learn about? Don't we get a say in our learning? And it was just super cool to see them all fired up about something that they were passionate about but also taking what I've taught them and seeing them try to apply that into real life. And I just couldn't tell them enough. Like you guys are so awesome. Like the fact that you want to do something in a peaceful way to change the way that you are supposed to be learning in the classroom is amazing. Like you're taking ownership of what you believe, what you want, and you're doing it in a peaceful way. And that's all I could ask for as your teacher. Um, but like I said, I was able to work it out with my principal um, to be able to do what I still wanted to do just in the way that, you know, it should be done in the classroom. So that's kind of been my experience there. Um, 
but yeah, something I have noticed too, that even though my students are not students of color, they need these conversations just as much Absolutely. as students of color do. Absolutely. Say more about that. Um, so just, okay, let me think. When it comes to my students of color and having these conversations, I am focused more on giving them the confidence to separate between like the color of their skin and how some of the world might see them and um, who they are as a person. Mm -hmm. When it comes to teaching my white students about social justice, I mainly just focus on looking at things why they are the way they are. Mm -hmm. talking about the Native Americans, talking about Christopher Columbus, you know, like I will still teach Christopher Columbus in my classroom, but I will make sure that my students know that there was Native Americans on the land before them. And we talk about it. We say, well, how do you think the Native Americans felt? And we just do like a five minute conversation and then we move on and I continue to teach my curriculum the way it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. So just uh, making sure that they are getting all of those little pieces that, um, helps them see why things are the way they are. That's been kind of more of how I'm doing it this year. It's just really taking in all sides of the stories, the way things are, like why things are the way they are. Um, we've been diving a lot into history. Um, we've had a really big discussion on the Kyle Rittenhouse trial mm. and um, pretty close to home. Yeah. Yes. And the trial with um, the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. We had lots of conversations about that. And the Kyle Rittenhouse one was very interesting because as we know, he was um, not guilty. And so teaching my students, giving them the information of the trial and then letting them journal and have conversations about their opinions and then the verdict coming out and it kind of being the opposite of what our class collectively thought should happen. It was the opposite of it. Um, that was also another really interesting conversation because I got to tell them like, again, do I know all the information in the world that happened to this case? And they were like, no. And I said, even though we might have different opinions, you know, like we still don't know everything. Mm -hmm. We like don't know um, Kyle's whole side. And I don't know, I was just trying to just show them that even though things are the way they are, they don't always end up being justice or the way we feel like things should happen. And that's okay. We can't get stuck on that. We have to move on and we have to keep fighting and hope that, you know, awareness is being spread. Um, and so that's kind of what we took away from that. Um, but yeah, so just looking at things for, through different perspectives have kind of been our, our theme this year. Yeah, I love that. The one last thing that I want to do before we we conclude this is kind of rewind a little bit. And one of the things that you had asked, so you have this vision, very clear vision for what you want for your students, and you have a pathway. And it's the pathway is through looking at things in different ways. It's through the social justice lens. And you had asked your principal, can I do this? Can I, you know, have my keychain? Can I wear my Black Lives Matter shirt? This is a pretty, I don't know how this question will come across, but what if your principal had said no? Um, I have spent a lot of therapy sessions thinking about this question. 
because one of my huge things from last year was I did not want to leave my school because of my students, because I truly felt like they needed me, but I wasn't getting paid enough and I wasn't getting the support that I needed to be able to be the teacher I wanted to be. And so making the switch into this affluent um, school of white students was a very hard choice for me to make because that's just not where I felt like my heart needed to be, even though it's ended up perfect. But, um, yeah, that was one thing. And I kind of came to the conclusion that I can always find a new school Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, you know, you, you have to do what you have to do to get through society and to pay the bills. But at the end of the day, like that's just one year of my life and, you know, the journey will take you to where you're supposed to be and to just trust that process and know that no matter where I'm at, that will never change the relationships and the connections I make with my students. And that's all that really matters to me. Love it. Love it. So um, before we close up, is there just any piece of advice, especially as it relates to, I think the two bigger themes here, which I mean, maybe I'm coming with three themes, but like more of here's my vision. Here's what I believe to be true and needs to happen for my students in my classroom and to get their mindfulness and social justice. Like with all of that kind of umbrella what piece of advice and or any advice do you have for teachers who are really thinking through that same lens of, I want my kiddos to be critical thinkers and have different perspectives. I want them to be compassionate and mindful. Like, what do you say to those teachers? What should they be doing? Take a deep breath, ask the questions that you want to ask your admin, because I bet there's someone else out there who's thinking the same thing as you. Be brave, raise your hand, make those comments, start the conversation, because that's how it all gets started. It just starts with a conversation. And once you get over those nerves of, you know, like, am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing this? Should I say this? It, when you start doing something you're passionate about, even if it is scary, it always is worth it. And yeah, just be brave. Just do what you think is right and start the conversation. Yes, Jesse. And I think that's how we get to also sustain in this work, right? Because we get to invoke our passion in wherever we go, wherever the journey takes us. And I'm so glad you shared all of that. Um, and hopefully it's really captured in this podcast and enlightens our, our teachers and educators who are listening to do this, to do those things. So thank you so much for being a part of this. I can't even thank you enough. Um, and hopefully we can have you on and you can again, and hear all the things that you're doing, maybe even from a student perspective, who knows, but thank you so much. Yes. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Wow, what an amazing guest. Jesse Rodriguez, thank you so much for joining us today. It is hard to believe you are in only your third year of teaching. Here are the takeaways from today. Number one, just as important as mindfulness is in the classroom, if we are to implement it there, we must implement it within ourselves first. Number two, the social issues that are encompassing our nation should be talked about at school, especially if our students are directly impacted. Number three, in order to have these conversations with students, trust has to be built first. Number four, be comfortable with students knowing the real you. This is how trust is built. Number five, don't just dive into these types of conversations. Baby steps are the best steps. 
Number six, be transparent with your students' families. And number seven, be brave. If we want to see movement in our classrooms, schools, and education, we have to have courage. Thanks again for joining the Teacher Renewed podcast. Don't forget to sign up for our Teacher Renewed community on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram at teacher underscore renewed and be a part of a community that is working collectively to support educators to make education better.